0: Matthew chapter four. We have Bibles. We should have some Bibles in the back. So if you don't have one. We got some in the back, so feel free to grab one. Matthew chapter four. I'm gonna read verses eighteen through twenty two. Matthew chapter four, verses eighteen through twenty two. When you got it, say I got it. If you're still looking, say still looking. Take your time. Just hurry up. (laughs) Unless it's your first time, then, you know, look over me. Uh, Here we go. Chapter 4, verse 18, verse 18 through 22. And it reads, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on, uh, there he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You will flip a couple of doors uh, to your right into the book of John. Let's look at John chapter 21. We're going to begin reading at verse 1 and we'll just go for a little while. John chapter 21. Here we go. After after this, Jesus revealed himself again. This is after the resurrection and here. This is one of those few appearances that Jesus made after the resurrection. Jesus uh, revealed himself again to the disciples. uh, And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas. Uh, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Uh, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, Do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it all in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple who Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord! So Simon Peter went abroad and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Watch this. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples uh, dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed the disciples after he raised from the dead. Now listen to this part. This is where it gets real interesting. Verse 15 says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend to my sheep. And after this saying, he said to him, follow me. As I've been praying about how to approach Resurrection Sunday in a place like the warehouse. Growing up in in my church, my culture uh, at at the black church, uh, to be honest, we, we were so excited I I would just say a few words and say early Sunday morning, and I wouldn't get much past that. We'd just be so happy that Jesus came because there was such a a freedom and a celebration. Now, I know y'all happy, but I got a feeling that y'all ain't going to be that happy tonight. (laughs) But it it, it was just something about, and even then, I really struggled with the pressure. How do you you articulate such an age-old story that's so rich and so powerful? I remember many Sundays sitting in, the, in, in, in my study there at my church, figuring out, how do I bring something fresh to such a great message? How do I say something that's powerful, that it impact the people? And they were gracious, and they received it, and it was all. But, but I'm just being honest, and I'm just putting my cards on the table. I really struggle with messages like tonight. So as I thought about tonight, I just begin to think about, what does it all mean? This cross, the resurrection. Why is that significant to us in 2008, and to the world that we live in, and the culture that we have? Why is this cross that stands behind me? Why is it significant to us tonight, those of us who live right here in Southern California? Why is why does this even matter? Why does this even matter? As I as I continue uh, in, in my little dialogue and my thought process, I begin to really, really, really wrestle with where I was with the reputation of Christianity reputation of Christianity. I I, I really struggled with, I really struggled with how we appear in the world and how, how, how well we really represented what this cross really means and and really what it stands for. And are we known for the cross? Are we known for some other stuff? I'll give you a few examples, and I bring up these gentlemen with, with the utmost respect, and, and hopefully you'll be able to hear that in my tone tonight. I, I, I think about guys like Jimmy Swagger. I think about guys like uh, Ted Haggard. I think about guys like, uh, like Jim Baker. I even think about uh, this, this, this governor, Governor Spitzer. And, 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 and more importantly, in what how how we respond and how we set these guys up. See, because I think that a lot of our reputation and a lot of what we're known for is this idea of perfection. This idea that this cross really represents and it stands for a people group who have it all together. It, it really represents a bunch of people who, who, who live morally correct all the time, who always make the right choices, always make the right decisions. And man, when you, when you, when you carry this cross for those that go to church and for the religious people and for the Bible carrying people and for those who are born again and for those who wear the Jesus t-shirts and those who have the little fish on their bumper sticker, those are the ones, who, man, they got it together. Those are the guys that, whoa. The ones that are praying on the lunch break and they're having little Bible studies and always talking about small group and and hubs and uh, we're doing something in my church this week. Man, whew, those are the cream of the crop of society. Those are the ones that have it together. And then you have stuff like Ted Haggard happen. And our world shakes. And then we, we, we find ourselves in awkward situations because it's like, whoa, he was supposed to be the epitome of Christianity. He was supposed to be the epitome of what all is holy and righteous. Because, I mean, hey, he was the main representation of this, of, of the cross. He was the head of the evangelical movement, which are the holiest of the holiest of the holy. Right? He let it up. They bragged many times. 30 million cross carriers. 30 million cross bearers. Man, those are the ones. If anybody, if there's any VIP in heaven, hey, it's, the, it's those guys. Those are the ones. And to see Ted Haggard, and even, even to do a study and listen to some of his sermons and read his bio and some of the stuff that he said, they used to, whenever something would happen in society, whenever there was a moral failure, they would call Ted Haggard to come in and be the spokesperson. And they'd sit on shows like CNN and MSNBC and Larry King and just talk about what the moral standard is. And what the rightness, the righteousness is. And and I'm not mad at any of that. But when Ted falls, it really creates this sense of hypocrisy. Because what we've done is we've painted this picture that those of us who follow this cross, those of us who carry this cross, those of us who sing God's songs, and those of us who read God's word, we live this life of perfection. And we have this thing to where basically we got it all together. Every, Every question you can ask me about God, I can answer it. Every theological doubt, I can answer it. Man, I got a scripture and a verse for everything you can imagine. My, theologi- my theology is nice, it's wrapped up in a real cute bow, and it's nice stuff. It's, it's, it's in a nice little package. And if you want, you can have it for yourself for 19.95. 95 <laughs> Baby, it can go on sale. We got t-shirts and everything, everything you need to know to be a good Jesus follower. It's all right here, and it's all packaged up, and it's all nice and neat, and we tend to represent that. We tend to represent that. That's why Jim Baker and, and Jimmy Swagger, that's why the world ate those guys up. Because I think we all played a role in it. We set them up and they sat in the seat. And there was this idea of perfection and wholeness and, and, and just the epitome of all that is right. And honestly tonight, I just struggle with that. I struggle with that mainly because I've seen my own life. And out of all of us in this room tonight, I'm probably the guy that's assumed to have it most together. Because, hey, I'm the one in the front with the Bible, right? Shoot, tonight I got a cross behind me. Got lilies growing under my feet. If anybody's supposed to have it all together, man, it's that guy Albert Tate. Look at those glasses. Doesn't he look smart? You know what I'm saying? Look at that tie. Got guy who wears that tie has got to know all good theology. But I'm here to tell you, it ain't true. It ain't true. And I can't sit here on an Easter Sunday night and put a nice bow and talk about how it's all perfect and it's all good. And Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's put a nice little bow on the cross and let's wrap it up and let's just pass them out to friends. Right? Let's go to work. Hey, I went to church. I got a cross for you. Here you go. It's nice and cute. Friends, it ain't so. It ain't so. So I really struggle with the sermon tonight. I, I, I really, really struggle with how do I articulate a gospel? How do I articulate the message of Jesus Christ? And, and at the same time, deconstruct some of the mess that's gotten stirred up that goes along with this cross. Because everything that we put the name uh, Christian on doesn't necessarily mean that it matches this cross. Did y'all get that? Every every book that you got, I know it came out of the Christian bookstore section, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's tied to this cross. So I want to kind of, I want to build up tonight, but I also want to tear down at the same time. I I, want to build up in in the most simplest of terms what this cross really means to people like me and probably people like you. And I want to I wanna deconstruct all of the mess and all of the junk that's got mixed in this package that leads people to believe that this life, that this guy was talking about, this thing that Jesus was talking about, that's for perfect people. And I know that's not me, so I'm not even interested. So I'm hoping I got some folk in here who, who hadn't even tried this guy. I'm hoping I've got some folk that I get a first-time shot to help build a picture of this guy that's realistic, that's biblical, and that's honest. I hope I get that shot tonight. More than anything else, I hope I don't mess it up. Let's pray. God, as we open up your word, speak to our hearts like only you can. God, I don't think I've ever been put a a bigger disclaimer on any of my sermons. But tonight, I truly don't have it all together. Tonight is truly not a nice, perfect package. But tonight, we call on the one who has it all together. The perfected one, the one that is whole, the one that is righteous. The one that we sing and that we preach about. So God, I guess it's like every other Sunday. I need you to speak. I need you to tune our ears to your voice. And God, I hide myself behind the cross. That you may be seen. That you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. As I thought about people in this reputation that we've gotten, as I thought about this 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 whole view that we have of this idea of perfection, I just begin to think of one guy in, in the in the Bible that really that I'm just fascinated with because, to be honest, he's most like me. I, I, I thought about this guy who who who's the epitome of contradiction. That guy is Peter. Peter was Jesus' disciple. And we see in Matthew chapter four where Jesus calls Peter. Jesus is walking by the sea of Galilee and there's two guys out there fishing. And you need to know that they just weren't hanging out, uh, taking a day off work out there fishing. That was their job. That was their trade. They were out there fishing. If they were the top of their class, they would be with a rabbi by now learning the, the trade so they can become a rabbi. They would be following in the footsteps of a rabbi becoming a rabbi. But obviously they want the best of the best. So therefore they had to learn and go out and get a job. How many of you had to do that. (laughs) Parents, you know, this would be a good time to say amen if we got any. Most of y'all probably need to go get it. All right. So anyway, all right. So he was a lot like I was when I got ready to marry my wife. She was like, you need to go get a job. I was like, okay. So they they were out and they, they were doing their family trade and they were out fishing. And this is their way of life. This is their deal. They, they weren't going to be priests. They weren't going to be rabbis. They had to give that dream up. They had to go out and become, become the best at their family trade. And I'm sure that they were pretty good at it because they were out there making their living. So they were out there doing their family trade and all of a sudden Jesus calls them. A rabbi calls them. It's almost as if they get a second chance to be that rabbi. It's almost as if they get a second opportunity. It had to be an attractive package. It had to be something exciting because they left their job and started following this guy. Now you know, something's got to be pretty powerful for somebody to come to your job, stand on your cubicle and say, follow me. And you hit, you know, shut down and pack up your stuff and just go follow this guy. When you get home to your wife, you got to have a pretty good story. He 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 was so cool though. Is the way he said, "Follow me." It was like, wow, you know. It was like in Greek, but it's like English. It's like he said, "Follow me," you know. I mean, it had to be something powerful. They had to know that wow, there's something about this guy. They got another shot. The, a, a rabbi came and said, "Follow me." So Peter, they throw down that trade. They throw down that way of life. They throw down their method of operation. They throw down their their resource. Their what what they're good at. They put all that to the side. They throw down what's comfortable for them. They throw down what comes easy for them. They throw it down and they start following Jesus. So they're following Jesus. And Peter, they call him the rock. He was the strong one. But Peter was the epitome of contradiction. Because every time he would do something good, he would go and do something crazy. I mean, every single time Peter would get it right... And then Peter would get it way wrong. I mean, Peter wasn't somewhere in the middle, someone that's kind of average. Peter was the best or the worst. He was like number one, a number six hundred and seventy five thousand and one. You know what I mean? It was like no middle ground with Peter. Peter was like the coolest guy and the lamest guy all at the same time. It was kind of like I was in like junior high. I was like the total lamest guy. And in high school, I was like the coolest guy. And I've been pretty much cool ever since. So, bad example. So, but, but Peter was, Peter was the extreme. For example, I'm, let's just, let's just gauge through the gospels and just pick out stories about Peter. Let's take this one, uh, when they're walking on the water. So, out of all the people that, so Jesus is walking, they see far off, and Jesus is out there walking on the water, they see their rabbi walking on the water, and the idea, uh, I don't have time to go into the Hebrew history, but the idea is whatever your rabbi does, that's what you do. Because the goal is for you, you to walk in the steps of your rabbi. One of the greatest compliments is that you may be covered in the dust of your rabbi. In other words, that you walk so closely to him that the dust from his feet would be on you and that you will be covered with his dust. So that's the idea. That's the mentality. So uh, Peter sees Jesus out walking on the water. So Peter is like, yo. If my rabbi is walking on the water, then I need to be walking on the water, right? So so Peter, out of all the other guys in the boat, nobody else comes up with this idea. And after Peter comes up with the idea, nobody else even jumps on board. You know how you may be with some friends and you have a good idea. Then everybody else says, yeah, why didn't I think of that? Peter was like, yo, I'm going to walk on the water. Everybody was like, go ahead on, dog. <laughs> you got that. Go ahead. We straight. <laughs> we going to watch you. Somebody got to videotape this thing, put it on YouTube. Better be us. You know what I mean? So it's not like anybody else even had the zeal or the desire that he had. Peter was his own thinker. He was his own man. So Peter steps out and my man Peter, he started doing it. Dude, this guy is amazing. He, he's, he's trusting God and he's literally walking on water. But then the winds and the waves come. And Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and starts watching the water. And he starts sinking. And then he starts panicking. It's like, Jesus, Jesus, save me. And then Jesus is like, oh, you of little faith. What, what, Peter, come on, man. You're just walking on water, now you're drowning. Come on, what's the deal? So literally, Jesus had to go and rescue Peter and put him back in the boat. A moment that had great potential, but he messed it up. Here, here again, uh, 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 Jesus, Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, some say Elijah, some say the prophets, some, some say all these wonderful things. And then again, says, well, well, who do you say I am? Peter, first one. Hey, Peter, Peter steps up and says, thou art the Christ. It's like, wow, Peter, man has not revealed this to you. Boy, the Holy Spirit is talking to you. Holy, a couple of verses later, same Jesus is telling Peter, get behind me, Satan. So now you go from the Holy Spirit talking to now I got to rebuke Satan. Peter, you go from one extreme to the next. Peter, you a trip, you know, uh, 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 they, they get around to the last supper. Jesus getting ready to die. Jesus getting ready to go on the cross. This is hit, This is Jesus's big moment to get ready to go on. Jesus breaks down and he's like, I'm going to wash my boy's feet. I'm going to wash their feet. Peter, you ain't washing my feet. I need to be washing your feet. You too much. You watch. No. Uh-uh. Have you seen my feet? You ain't washing my feet. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm too, God, you're too big for that. You're too amazing for that. I'm not going to do that. And then, then Jesus says, Peter, if I can't wash your feet, then you can't have any part of me. Peter, Jesus wash my feet, wash my hair, wash my legs, wash my whole body. Just give me a bath. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. In the text of Jesus, Jesus comes back and says, well, if you had a bath early, all I need to do is wash your feet, Peter. Chill out. Calm down. He, I mean, he's just one extreme to the next. When when they they're, they're they're praying, here they are. Watch this in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus tell them, "Y'all go pray for me." He, Jesus is about to, is at the hardest moment of I think his whole spiritual journey. Jesus is literally, Jesus is literally praying. A lot of people don't like to say it like this, but I just I just put it out there. Jesus is literally pray, pray, praying, Matt. If there's any way I can get out of this. I know we set up, we've done some miracles. We had a good time down here on earth. It's been a blast. We had this party one time, got the wine, That was tight. It was good. I mean, we had a good time. Had a buffet, set it off with some fish and some bread. I mean, we had some good time. You know what I mean? You had the woman in adultery, Mary Magdalene, the woman at the well. It's been crazy. We've done some amazing stuff. And I know, but now we got this cross coming. And uh, I just wanted to check in with you and be like, uh, if, if there's any way we can renegotiate the deal now would be a good time. I mean, seriously. Jesus literally says, if it be thy will, Lord, let this cup pass. If there's any way I can slip out the back door and throw up the deuces and be like, all right, it's been good, but peace. I'm going back up to glory. You know what I mean? If there's any way I can get on that cloud a little early and skip over the cross, now would be the time. If, if you got another plan, if you got a plan B, if you got another thing. How many of y'all watch Big Brother. All right? Nobody? You got one? You watch it? Well, how do you, three? What you, you watch your nigga? No, he's like, I'm 10, man. Be All right, okay. Let's just act like I never mentioned big brother. All right. Jesus is like, if there's any way out of this, I'd love to take it now. And he goes out and his disciples, the guys that have been with him, you know, Jesus, this is his weak moment. If he ever needed any brotherly love, if he ever needed the fellas to come around him and be like, we got you, man. Jesus is going to be good. Just, you know, we got you. It's now. He walks out. What are they doing? Sleep. Have you, have you ever been in need of a friend and they were asleep? Have you ever been in a moment where you really needed somebody and they were nowhere to be found? Can you imagine the disappointment? Almost the frustration. Because Jesus goes out a couple of times. And the last time Jesus was like, you know what? Stay sleep. Y'all, y'all just gone, y'all gone, take a little nap. And he goes on to say, if it be thy will, let this cup pass, but not my will, but thy will be done. Right at that moment, the Roman soldiers, they come and they and they get ready to capture Jesus. So, the, I mean, the drama is about to start and here it is. So here you got the disciples who were in the, in the time they needed them, were knocked out. And the Roman soldiers come and get ready to be ready to step up. And, and Peter grabs out his sword and cuts off the guard's ear. I'm sure Jesus was like, oh, now you're ready to fight. A few minutes ago, you were asleep, you know what I mean? So it's like, Peter, all of a sudden, once again, this epitome of great contradiction jumps up out of his sleep, yarns, and starts cutting stuff. Ever had a hothead friend? Peter's like that hothead, what happened, what, 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 oh, bam, you know. Oh, no, oh, we ain't supposed to do that. Oh, my bad. And Jesus, Jesus is like, man, you're just messing up. Here, dog. Here go your ear back, man. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) All right. There you go, dog. Can you hear? All right. You know what I mean? Peter is just, I mean, from sleep now to cutting off ears. The best one ever. The best one. They're sitting around in there. They're at the dinner table. And Jesus says, one of you will betray me. Guess who speaks up? Peter. No, God, no, uh-uh. that ain't going to happen. Not me, I will never, I'm with you forever. Forever, ever, forever, ever, forever, ever. I'm with you forever. You ain't got no problem. He, I mean, he just starts talking, to start going off. Just start talking at the mouth. He's like the first one there, just just going off. I mean, Jesus didn't even call nobody out. He didn't say, I'm about to tell y'all who it is. He just said, somebody about to betray me. And all of a sudden, Peter, no, 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 no. It ain't going to be me. I don't know who it must be. It's going to be you. It's going to be probably you. You know, good. I, just, I know it ain't me. Just start talking, man. Just start going on. What Jesus said? He said, "The cock won't even crow three times before you deny me." And true enough, Peter out there that night, standing by the fire, keeping warm. By this time, the tide has turned, and people are starting to not be so excited about Jesus and his disciples. And Peter just out there, I can just see him with a trench coat and a skull cap on. Just, what's up? What's up? You know. Yeah, man, I cut that dude's ear off like crazy. You should have been there, man. It's crazy, you know. And all of a sudden, someone said, Hey, ain't you that disciple? And he's like, No, dog, wasn't me. Hey, man. And they, they get up people, like, Hey, 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 I think that's one of them disciples, dudes. Man, I think that's one of the disciples. They come up and say, Hey, you sure you're not a disciple? It's like, hey, man, no, man. I told you it wasn't me. And just, you know, they get him again. And finally, Peter was like, Man, I told you to bleep, to bleep, 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 bleep. It ain't me. Start cussing. I know some of y'all do that too. Peter Gazani, I know you. You're a little nasty mouth. I I need to come put you on this cross right now. No, I'm just. (laughs) Once again, Peter. No, I mean Peter. Yeah, sorry. You know that. Once again, once again, Peter. The epitome of contradiction. That failure. Really hit home with Peter, though. Because as, as, as he denied Christ, Jesus was being crucified. They marched him up a hill called Calvary. They put an old rugged cross on his back. Many times we paint these beautiful pictures of Jesus on the cross with a little red dot here and a little red dot there. If you were to take an in depth look at Crucifixions, you would know that it's absolutely nothing like that. It's the most gruesome scene that you will ever, ever see. Literally flesh hanging from Jesus. So he sat there. They put a crown of thorns on his head. broke into his skull. And they say the blood came streaming down. Said when he died... The sun refused to shine and darkness covered the earth. And here you are, a guy like Peter, who's had great success and great failure. I'm sure at this time, everything is up for grabs because this idea of a Messiah being crucified on a cursed cross just didn't happen. So everything's up for grabs now. Was he really real? Is there really a kingdom to come? A lot of them were hoping for an established a a, a kingdom, a practical political overthrow. Is that not going to happen? What do you do when you find yourselves in the midst of despair? Well, you don't know what's going to happen next. What do you do when you when, when what you've hoped in and what you've believed in and what you've connected to has, has, has not met your expectation? You don't know what's going on. You have more questions than you have answers, and you don't know which way to go. You don't know where to turn. What do you do when life gets frustrating? What do you do when life gets complicated? What do you do when the answers aren't coming and the problems and the confusion keeps coming, the frustration? And a lot of the frustration, to be honest, you look at other people and you try to point the finger, but the bulk of your frustration really comes from you. Because every time you try to do something right, you end up doing something wrong. And as you look at your life and as you look at the decisions you've made and the failures you've had, a lot of times you find yourself just blaming yourself and feeling shame and guilt and frustration, not with other people, but with your own existence. What do you do in life pushes you in a corner, when it pushes your back against the wall and when you are out of options, when your friends aren't there and when your savior isn't there, when the God that you've depended on isn't there, when the disciples, everybody's shaky, everything's rough. What do you do when life situations pushes you in the corner? What do you do when you are gambling all on one thing and that one sure thing loses? Some of you know what I mean. You've gambled on a relationship and it was hard When 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 the relationship was dissolved. You didn't know what to do or which way to go. Some of you gambled on a job and you put everything on a job and because of my job my security is in this money. My security is in this 401k. My security is in all this stuff. What do you do when you lose the job and your whole world is shattered? What do you do when you you struggle with, with addictions and things you can't get rid of and it seems like every time you try to step out of it, it grabs you and it holds you and you feel like you're enslaved to it and you can't get out of it. What do you do when life Pushes you in a corner. What do you do when life says no you can't? What do you do when life says failure and that's all you ever be and you begin to believe it? What do you do? I know it's easy to fight enemies because I can see them and I can punch them and I can push them off. But what do you do when the enemy ain't the boss, when the enemy ain't your spouse, when the enemy not the job, when the enemy's not the kids, but when the enemy is in uh, me? What do you do when you're in the bed by yourself and you realize I'm sleeping with the enemy? What do you do when your most frustrated, irritated moments come from the person whom you see in the mirror? What do you do when you're disappointed in yourself? This is what Peter was feeling. Jesus is dead. I left my trade. I've been on this journey. And here I am. I've cursed God. I've denied him publicly. My reputation is torn. And now everything that I've been writing home about, everything that I've been excited about, everything that I've been hoping for, this kingdom, this new world order, is all in the grave. What do you do? Well, John says, Peter looks at his boys and says, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Let's go back to what I was doing before I got caught up in this whole Jesus thing. Let's let's go back to what's normal. Let's go back to what's natural. Let's go back to what's easy for me. Let's go back to what's comfortable for me. Let's go fishing. So he packs up his gear. Probably for the first time in a long time. He's back out there. But he's not catching anything. So now he's forced to ask himself the question. What do you do? When what you used to do ain't working no more let me come to your neighborhood what do you do when life pushes you in the corner and you go to your vices. You go to the thing that usually gets you through. You go to the things that make you comfortable. You go to the thing that's natural. Some of you, what's natural is just to get an attitude, to throw up a wall and push everybody away. Some of you, what comes natural is to go get, open up a bottle and over overdo it, overindulge on alcohol. Some of you, what to do is just to shut everybody else off and push everybody else. Some of you, what you do is your default is to go into a deep depression, go into a wall and just and, and just shut everything else down. Some of you, what you do is go have illicit sexual relationships. Some of you, what what you do is turn on the computer and engage computer pornography. Some of you, what you do is you call the old friends and get a bag of weed and you say, let's go back to what used to come natural. Let's go back to what I used to do before I got caught up in this other thing. Let's go back and do the old thing. Let's go back and do the natural thing. Let's go back and do the thing that comes easy to me. Let's just go back and disengage from God. Let's go fishing. Anybody been fishing before? Anybody ever been frustrated with God? Anybody ever wondered where he was? And instead of waiting, you went fishing. Fishing. Looking for something else that can give me the satisfaction I need. Looking for somebody else that can give me the satisfaction I need. Looking for any opportunity to satisfy me because what I'm doing ain't working. So I'm fishing for relationships. I'm fishing for affirmation. I'm fishing for something to be a quick fix to my eternal problem. I'm fishing. But I'm frustrated because I'm fishing and I ain't catching nothing. I keep going out and I'm fishing and I'm fishing in the, in the pool of the world, but every time I catch something and I bring it in, it never satisfies me. Every time I try something and try to apply it to my life, it never satisfies me. So I'm frustrated in my own existence because I'm fishing and it ain't working. Peter was out there frustrated, the epitome of contradiction, and he was fishing, but it wasn't working. Have you ever been fishing? Because life wasn't good enough. Have you ever been fishing because life wasn't satisfying enough? Have you ever been fishing because there was a hole in your soul and you was trying to fill it, trying to satisfy it, and you tried everything, but nothing fit quite right, and you kept on fishing, kept on looking, kept on searching, but you wasn't catching nothing. Peter was fishing. Wasn't catching nothing. And then Jesus shows up. Resurrected from the cross. And he says, hey boys, you caught anything? I said, no. Jesus gives them the divine instruction. He says, cast the nets on the other side. Basically, try something else. What you trying ain't working. Follow my words, follow my instruction, and try something else. So they cast the net on the other side, and Fish are so heavy they can't even carry it in. Peter, first one, always, right? As soon as he recognizes Jesus, jumps in the water and goes straight to him. They bring the fish in. And watch this, I love it. Jesus is on the shore, got a fire going, and got fish already cooking. Got fish already going. He didn't even need that fish to bring it in. He said, y'all bring that in. But basically... I've already worked out what you're looking for. I've already fixed what you've been trying to get. I got ready the thing that you out searching for on your own. Come on in. I got fish ready to go. I got fish cooking for you in your life. Jesus had to go to the cross and die for our sin. So when we finally got frustrated with the frailty and the fallen state of our human nature, when you finally got tired of fishing and not catching nothing, you will have somewhere to go. You will have an option. And that option is we come to the cross because it is in this place where the sacrifice has been made for him to have fish ready to feed our souls. This is why we celebrate The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he made a way for you and I so that we don't have to spend our life in the sea of the world fishing, trying to catch something that will satisfy our souls. We don't have to spend our life frustrated with our natural existence, but we can come to the table where it's spread, filled with the bread of heaven that will satisfy our souls. That is why he died on the cross. So that Peter didn't have to spend the rest of his life fishing and catching nothing. And what I'm saying to you tonight in this room, the reason why we celebrate a day like Easter, the reason why we celebrate a resurrected king is because he made a way for us. So we ain't got to spend our life fishing and not catching. Tonight, I want to talk to some people who've been fishing and you ain't been catching. You've been trying stuff and it ain't been working. You've been reaching and trying to feel stuff and trying to get stuff to to satisfy you. But if you were to be honest tonight, if we were just to take down the walls and take off the mask and just to be honest and real in this room tonight, if you were to tell the truth tonight, you would know that the stuff that you're trying ain't working. And I want to talk to you. And I want to say, I was just like you. Shoot, I was just like Peter. Fishing ain't nothing working. One day I decided to cast in my net and try out this man called Jesus. And when I tell you he's the only one that can satisfy your soul. He's the only one that can meet the need in your life. He is the only thing that fully satisfies. So I learned that the cross ain't for people who are perfect. The cross is for people who've been fishing and ain't catching nothing. The cross is for people who failed time and time and time again. The cross is for people who've tried and tried but have always come up short. The cross, my friends... It's so for people like me. And I'm pretty sure tonight it's for people like you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not sure what, what baggage you bring to Christianity. I laid my cards out early in our conversations, and that I bring a lot of baggage. I, 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 I bring a lot of, of, of stress about our reputation and, and what, we're, what we're perceived to be, how people would expect me to be perfect. I'm nowhere near it, friends, and I want to talk to people who would say, Albert, I'm just like you. I'm nowhere near perfect, and I'm in desperate need. Of the cross in my life. I'm in desperate need of that provision that God has made for me. That way out. That way out of this life that keeps me out there, cast in the net, but never catch it. Some of you may say, Albert, I've been looking for it in relationships, but I ain't found it. Some of you would even say, I've been looking for it in hubs. I've been looking for it in warehouse, in the right places, but still not connected. Friends, there's only one place where we find the kind of peace that we're talking about tonight. That's in the arms of Jesus Christ. I don't care how many stories you read, how many meetings you go to. He is the only one that can satisfy your soul. Because at some point or another, the hubs will let you down. At some point or another, Albert Tate, the pastor, the preacher, the teacher, will let you down. Count on it. At some point, people will let you down. But I am convinced that Jesus Christ will never, ever fail you. So tonight, just for a few moments, I just want you to think. I want you to reflect in your own life. Like Peter, have you decided just to go fishing? In some areas of your life, yeah, you're still connected with God, but have you checked out in some areas? Are you just out there fishing, trying to find something that fits? Some of you may say, Albert, that's my whole life, man. I've been fishing and I'm tired. I've been fishing and I'm tired. God has made a way for you to lay down your nets. Come to the bank. I've got breakfast for you. I've got nourishment. I've got the very thing that you're searching for. I've got satisfaction for your soul. As we sit just for a few moments in silence, I want you to think about where you are. As core team leaders, just quietly make your way up to the front. This moment isn't about the person sitting next to you. This moment isn't about what's going to happen next week. I want you to do business with God right now. Ask yourself the hard question. In a few moments, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to Respond to this message. As you continue with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, not because it's something super spiritual, but I just don't want you to be distracted. As people may be moving around, I want you to be able to focus on what the spirit of the Lord would have to say to you tonight. If that's you, if you're the one that's been fishing. To be honest, let me tell you what we're not concerned about tonight. Where you've been fishing at and how you've been fishing and what that's been, to be honest, that's really, that's really not the main thing. The main thing tonight, the main question we want to know is, are you tired? Are you tired of keeping doing something that ain't working? Are you tired? And if you're tired tonight, we want to pray for you. When I close our time in prayer, I'm going to give you the opportunity. As Jeremy and they'll play softly. Our leadership team is spread across the front of the room tonight. If that's you, I want to ask you to do something different. I want to ask you to do something bold. I want to ask you to do something that may even be a little scary. If that's you that says, I'm tired, I want you to come up and we want to pray with you tonight. We want to pray with you. We want to pray that God will give you the strength to put down the net. We want to pray that God would surround you with a loving community, starting with the very people that you see. But we want to connect with you tonight. Because you don't have to leave this place tonight fishing. Jesus Christ has provided a way for you. Father, as we open up this time of prayer and reflection, I pray that your Holy Spirit would send a freedom and a liberty in this place that frees us from other people's opinions, other people's perspectives, other people's expectations, It frees us from having to worry about what people will think. God, help us to focus on your will for our life. God, I want to pray for those who find themselves fishing tonight. I want to pray that your Holy Spirit would give them the strength to cast in their nets. Cast in their nets. And choose the one who can satisfy their souls. God, as I close this prayer, we open up the altar. We open up our hearts and we open up our arms ready to receive my brothers and sisters who are ready to turn in the net. Have your way in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. As you led, please feel free to come up and receive prayer. Please feel free to come up receive prayer.